0: Listen up, fanboys! It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, having his own messiah complex, Derek McCall! I
1: don't know how to feel about that. I was just going to say, save it's, us! It's the Super Wednesday after Super Tuesday, and here we are. It's Ash Wednesday. Isn't
0: every Wednesday Super Wednesday? It's the day when Catholics get Comics. their
1: pokeballs and say, "I choose you, Pokemon." No one, no one's going with it. Ash, no. Ash is the kid that. Um, yeah, I know. The poke- yeah. I tried to make an Evil Dead joke uh, at school, the Catholic school, and they nice. didn't, they weren't going to go for no. that
2: either. No. No. All day long. Hey, a little something there.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. Uh,
2: Hard to put the ash on with the chainsaw hand. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very difficult. Very
1: difficult. Yeah, uh, it is the Fanboy Planet podcast here on um, Wednesday, February 6th. We are podcasting from Elusive Comics and Games, 2725, El Camino Real, Suite 104, in Santa Clara, California. Lawn has no tagline for it.
0: Oh, well, actually, I did buy comics today. Oh, hey, is in- So it's the only place
1: I buy my comics. Excellent. All right. So uh, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. My announcer there?
0: Uh, this is Lon Lopez, editor and CEO of Playboy magazine. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: hey. That's not just kidding. That's just lying.
0: That's wishful thinking. <laughs>
2: And I'm Rick Brett Snyder and I deal with sound. <laughs> over and, and over, over and over again.
1: Oh uh, yes, but and and Rick's recently returned to the stage. I don't know if he told you that, but he was fabulous last night. Uh, One night only. uh, He's
0: he's dancing
2: again? Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. Uh, Anyway, we got a lot to talk about. (laughs) We are going to talk about uh, the the actual Messiah complex. Not the psychological problem, but the X-Men crossover that just wrapped up. Uh, we're going to talk about some other events in comics, some returns, and some series that we're really enjoying, one that just ended. Uh, we'll be talking about movies uh, because, of course, after Super Bowl Sunday, we've seen some uh, movie trailers that uh, got us excited and disappointed at the same time. Hmm. Hmm. And then hmm. we'll do a, kind of a t- TV wrap-up on the heels of rumors, very strong rumors, that this may be the last week of the Writers Guild strike. But we'll talk about that a little later. What time is it, Lon? It's time for Listener Mail. All righty. We got a little thing from Stephen Nelson, who has written in before, and actually sat in on a microphone before. So he's in Hawaii, and we say, thanks, Aloha. Steve. Yeah, uh, And he writes in and asks, uh, uh, among other things. I'm not going to quote him verbatim because I forgot to print out his letter this week. But aside from bragging about visiting all the locations of Lost and, and drinking some fabulous alcoholic beverages, he asks... Have there ever been any Hawaiian superheroes? No. Yes. Okay, tell us.
0: Hula Hula from the Plastic Man series. Oh,
1: you pulled that out. There One you go. From the Plastic Man television series, not from the comics, but from the television series. Hula Hula. I, I did write back to him. There is a great, um, I think it's now two series from B. Claymore. It's been published by Image. He's not a superhero, but Hawaiian Dick, who is It's set in the 50s, and he's a detective, a uh, native Hawaiian, who... Um, Believes in the supernatural would rather have nothing to do with it, but there've been a couple of really great stories as he was dealing with Hawaiian zombies and the mob trying to to move in on on Honolulu. I heard that
0: book's kind of big with the tiki culture too. Um, oh like yeah, yeah, tiki stuff. It definitely
1: has that look. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, and they have the tiki motif running right, right, through the book. Yes, okay, very good. Uh, there's also a, a character called Kona Waves that I'm seeing is coming back with an odd. Um, with the career that will not die, Rob Liefeld's Evangeline, there's going to be, I think Image is releasing a Kona Waves versus Evangeline crossover wow. in a couple of months. So I thought it was a, an oddly timely um, you know, question from Stephen. And also, I don't know if we get to count it, but Superboy. The, yeah, that's what I was thinking. He, the, he who you know, now exists. He set exist. up uh, he, he spent a couple of years in, yeah. in Hawaii. Also got one, You know, maybe this should, uh, Rob Cordway wrote in and asked, uh, what's the difference between an inker and a colorist? And I realize that if you're coming to comics now, that is a hard distinction to make when you've got guys like Richard Isenove, the guy um, doing the digital coloring, mm-hmm. which is essentially inking as well on The Dark Tower, on Jay Lim's, Jay Lee's. Sorry, not Jay Lim, Jay Lee's pencils, um, and so anybody want to be you concise can still about answer this? the question? They're a tracer.
0: No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I think it, that's, that's from uh, uh, Chasing Amy. Chasing, Chasing Amy. Amy.
1: A good a good inker is a guy who goes over the pencils and actually helps out the colors. Helps in out. Way. Well, helps out the colors, but in also detail. helps out the pencil in detail, uh, and also corrects pencilers' mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so, a good inker. I think we've talked about that before too. A good inker. Will let the penciler look better than he looked before. Oh, definitely. Uh, and then there are inkers, yeah, and you
0: can add depth that so, definitely
1: have styles of their own. But I would think, say, like John Byrne would not have gotten as popular as he was if he did not have the incredible work of Terry Austin, who I think is is underrated as a not necessarily as an inker, but in fans' minds because on X Men. You know that he really made John Byrne's pencils pop on that X Men run with Chris Claremont.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, uh, Frank Miller when he first started on Daredevil. wasn't a very good penciler, but he had Klaus Janssen. Klaus, Janssen. Klaus really, really making really. Him, yeah, him work. And what you what you got out of that was, man. Miller's breakdowns and the panels were awesome. And if it had just gone to the strength of his art, it wouldn't have gone anywhere because Janson basically was his life support through that, that and I And I
1: would say, I know it's probably heresy, but um, I would say I really prefer Frank Miller when he's inked by Klaus Janson. I don't like his I concur. inking him himself. He's just too stark. Yeah. But a colorist, then, is the guy who's actually filling in. The, it's an art form in and of itself, and then there are guys like Richard Eisenove, uh that are – just coloring right over the pencils. And, and we s- should
0: explain, too, that before... I mean, now it's all probably done digitally. It is all done on computer. Because, in, the- in
1: fact, um, Ultimates two, Ultimates 3, number 2, uh, Marvel is able to release a special edition, which is just the black and white pencils, hmm. because hmm. they're scanned directly into the computer. Even inking is done on a
2: computer, Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not done by inks anymore. I mean, there are people still doing it old style. Well, in a lot of a lot of these drawing programs, they can keep layers separate. So they lay, mm-hmm. they layer the stuff up and they can just remove like they would layers. do originally. Right. So originally,
0: they would do the the plastic. Well, that's you know, acetate. That would be right. more
2: for that would be more for animation. But
0: no, but doesn't that how they old they did old school inking? Not, not for comics. For oh. comics, they're actually coloring. Color coloring right was on a, on coloring was occasionally done on acetate. Okay.
1: I, I don't think you're
0: far off. Uh, on I
2: that. thought there
1: was
0: pencils, and then you put the acetate over, and you'd ink on the acetate. Actually, no, you're right, because I've seen yeah. inked pages. You've seen inked pages. No. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, it was not, not, the, not the norm. Okay. No. But, I mean, th- those
1: job descriptions and how they're accomplished are changing as we're getting into the future. I think it's Joe Casada has said, like, I, he, even though he counts as a penciler, I don't think that he actually does original. There's no original art from, like, Brand New Day, or or, or, yeah. not, or One More Day, rather. Um there's no original art because he did it all on computer
2: yeah i wouldn't i wouldn 't know if I can speak definitively to this, but if you do the layer stuff you can do the pencil you can do the the rough mm-hmm. and then you can do the the inking the the mm-hmm. blackening and and then you can do the coloring, but then you can bring the blacken up above the color and and gain back the mm-hmm. uh, the definitive so as I said, of the you know they're, they're,
1: uh, you know actual computer graphic artists are you know definitely going to be coming into to to the forefront as as comic book companies get more and more savvy. So the question Rob asks, is, like, what era now? Was it just yeah. an inker and a colorist? Less and
2: less mm-hmm. as, as time progresses. What's a typesetter do? Uh, That's yeah. for
0: the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I think we have another And you have email. a letter. You, you got an email, I do, right?
2: I do, I do. We have a letter from... Which uh, you can actually read verbatim. From regular listener Doug Garrett, uh, who also
1: runs a podcast, doesn't uh, he?
2: Garrett's Games and Geekiness. Highly recommended for anyone interested in games or geekiness and we absolutely appreciate very Doug well because uh,
1: we know that a, a reader came in la- wrote in last week who had been recommended our podcast by him mm.
2: yep. by him so Doug starts off with uh, finished 52 by the way enjoyed most of it though I really didn't like the ending much felt very rushed and I didn't think the artwork conveyed the story very well Nice to see the secondary characters coming to the fore, which I think we've kind of forgotten about 52 you know, as we look well, at it's the same, a, it's same things over... happening in, in Countdown, but in a much worse way. Yeah, not as clear.
1: It took too long, whereas
2: yeah. we knew in 52 those characters were right there from the beginning. Booster yep. Gold, Quest. Because we and... were in the midst of one, mm-hmm. of, uh, one year later. Long-headed man. Um, so, let's see. Nice to see the secondary characters coming to the fore, though. Picked up the companion volume, and it's kind of fun to see the origin stories, that are so very dated in some respects. I flash back to reading comics as a kid with some of them, which I think is just like, uh, that's, 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 that's the whole Doug's point, letter. right? Well, yeah. You read those origins, it's definitely an older style.
1: I, I thought interesting, by the way, Black Adam, the miniseries finally finished last week. Yep, read it. So, yes, uh, the the Not word that Billy changed, the magic word that Black Adam had?
2: Was, uh, it was at the, at the uh, fountain. What was it? Chocolate egg cream. That was right. That's right. And he says, oh, Billy, ever the boy. Ever the boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "As I, too, shall have a chocolate egg cream. You, Boom. It's well, a great panel.
1: Because, you I mean, it's such a horrible book. And yet they, I mean, not, not horrible in a, I mean horrific. 'Cause there was definitely a lot of, you know, walking corpses. There's all these horrible things going
2: on as he's trying to revive ISIS and, and then, then he sits and, down on the fountain. Well, he walks into Fawcett City, right? And he plays, And he's just he's saying things after he's like observing all this stuff and for a while I'd forgotten he's still looking for the magic word. So he's, he's yeah. like a he bit, was he was tapping power from his from Isis's bones. Ugh. And yeah. And then
1: and Felix Faust, man, totally yeah. screws him over at the end of that. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, it's just like oh that uh, an overlooked miniseries, really. I think from well, from our perspective, but actually, that turned out to be better than I thought it was. Oh, it was a really good series. Considering that you thought from the beginning of Countdown, you knew what was coming. You yeah. know, I mean, that what could, what could the Black Adam miniseries show us when, at the beginning of Countdown, he relinquished the power to Mary Marvel? You know, yeah. And so now Peter he's got t- it back.
0: Yeah. And but now- no,
1: no. But th- this miniseries ends where Countdown begins. He's oh, going to relinquish okay. it over to Mary Marvel for a time. I'm sure he's going to get it back. I think Mary Marvel gave it back.
0: But wait, once he gets it back, has, yeah. can he change the magic word back to? <laughs> yes, now he can. Now <laughs> okay. He or can every time once he knows to his password, Chocolate he can change
1: cream. it? To- oh my gosh, it's like an operating system. Yeah. yeah. Magic is just technology. So
2: it's you can't tell advanced the his- Version can't. two. I can't. But countdown. We've we've been talking about how it's actually coming. It's kind of it's finally coming. Clear. Coming together. Um, I've Superman gone I've Prime. gone
1: for months hating the character of Superman Prime. Yeah. And yet they finally brought in, uh, you know. He makes no sense. There's something almost poignant about how pathetic his emotional state is. Yeah. And.
0: Did we finally get some clarity?
2: Definitely.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I, is. He's supposed to be the hero of his earth. And then the irony was that he had his perfect earth where he could have been Superman. And they basically destroyed it. So he's gone completely nuts and is taking on Captain Atom, Monarch. Monarch is really self-destructs. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's actually fully self-destructed. The only problem with it is then you had Countdown Arena, which sort of set up this big thing. There's still 11 issues, 12 issues. Twelve so issues, it's yeah. possible that we could see some clarity to it. Uh, but I really feel like the buildup of what Countdown Arena did, that promise was not really brought in. There was supposed to be a counter force against... Monarch forming of like alternate Captain Adams and so forth, and they really had it really hasn't paid off yet. Yeah, I don't blame Keith Champagne or you know for what he did in Countdown Arena. I just think editorially that didn't pay off. We were promised something that just hasn't come, and maybe it will because we were promised Countdown would get better, and and it did. And something the- really though. Oh, it did. I've actually enjoyed the last few weeks of countdowns. Yeah. Whereas I was buying it all along, going, "Well, it's got to get better." Kind of that, you know, completist. And I, I know I'm, I'm guilty of that mentality where you know a lot of guys critique that. A lot of professionals in the industry criticize that. Keith Giffen just wrote a column complaining about that. Like you buy stuff because you're completist, and co- and the industry knows that. That's how we work. Mm. You know, and our mindsets. Uh, I gotta have it all, and and then I didn't really enjoy it. Pokemon. Yeah.
2: Pokemon, got to catch them all. Now, did, am I the only one reading uh, Death, of new, uh, Death of the New Gods? Are no, reading I'm reading it? it. I am reading it. So did you catch the last issue? I did. So that's almost a companion volume to yeah. Countdown. Yeah. Because we get the source, the insights into the source this time, this last issue.
1: And I, But I think you can read Countdown without knowing Death sure. of the New Gods and for people like Lon who are going – yeah, like that about new gods, and there are people that just don't get into that into that concept.
2: You know, I, it, it's an interesting. But for me, I remember picking my first issue of Forever People off the rack. I remember the moment I picked that book up, and so this is really must blown kind of emotional.
1: Your young mind. Yep.
2: I don't, you know, I don't
1: quite have that investment. I think I got an issue of Mister Miracle in a three pack, like at a Stuckey's. Yeah. on a family vacation and not really sure what was going on except I thought the costume was really cool and I had no concept to tie into anything larger with the fourth world and then every now and then I'd see like a, in a reprint of something and I know I got the return of the new gods when Don Newton uh, you know drew it uh, I can't remember who wrote that but so I like knew who Lonar was and Forager v- very vaguely
0: awesome awesome can I stop you right there um, can we project further now yeah, I don't like it when you do that okay um, no, but just to tie it into our listeners at home, Countdown and Death of the New Gods right. they are coming to an end soon, right? Yes. Okay. As now, are the
1: new gods themselves.
0: And mm-hmm. then, so basically, you guys that are actually reading it, what are our thoughts and predictions on where it's going? When's Final Crisis? May? May. So we've got like two months left? Three months?
1: Well, it's February, March, April. Three months. Okay. I just say three months, which is t- Countdown's going right down to Final Crisis. Okay. We know that. Is it feeling now? You said it's getting better. It's getting better. We we what has been in, revealed. What is ropes. revealed in Death of the New Gods is the Source is trying to uh, create a fifth world. Which Source is wacky. The Source is ins- has basically gone insane. Yeah, uh, and that and the Source for those not familiar with fourth w- world mythology is basically um, it, it's God. That's what the New Gods worship. The Source mm-hmm. provides it everything. It leads them. It gives them clues yeah. and guidance. But it is referred to by uh, somebody in in the last week's issue about that's who the, the, it said that's who we worship mm-hmm. and they use that they use that verb so um, it's going to create a fifth world and the rumor was that of course you know what was going to happen was Bruce Wayne was going to die and ascend and become the the leader of or, at one point Grant Morrison wanted to kill all of them all, all the pantheon if you will of DC's main main guard let their sidekicks or whatever, step in, which can't work. I mean, this is like the Captain American Bucky thing. Years ago, a friend of mine said, one reason Nightwing or Dick Grayson is so popular is because it's the opposite of what Marvel believes about Spider-Man. We were allowed to grow up with him. Yeah. Or he was allowed to grow up with us. Right. Stop being Robin, step out of the shadow, become Nightwing, and suddenly, wow, he's this viable character in and of himself, and people like that. He's He's not what they've always defined him as. There's been a lot more longevity to him as as Dick Grayson as Nightwing than as as Robin, which hasn't been
2: done with a lot of characters in in comic very literature. few. Actually, but that's why that's why that's why I don't figure.
1: want Steve Rogers to come back from the dead in Marvel because I think I want that character now to just be, you know, because the average person doesn't know that it's to Steve make the Rogers. Turn on the book that it's yeah. about
2: the title and not necessarily the man. Yeah,
1: that yeah. it's about the legacy, yeah. and, and and about the you know, and that Captain America is now James. Barnes, and that's who he
2: is, you know, and I'm fine with that. But back to Lon's question, I'm I can't right now, which is unusual in comics. We're only twelve ways, twelve issues away. I can't draw a straight line projection as to what's going on in those books and what Final Crisis is going to be about. I don't see. The. It's going to be an all surprise. Graham Morrison's going to blow my mind.
1: Yeah. It's going to be just like you picking up Forever People number 1 <laughs> yeah. on the stands. And you're going to quiver and shake and probably break out in acne. It, it's got me curious. I, I'm far more interested in Final Crisis than I am actually in where this is going. Um, because I think I can see the end of, by the title, Death of the New Gods. Well, they're all going to die. They're all getting murdered. <laughs> Who's actually the murderer? The murderer Isn't
0: who- it Gene Loring? No. Uh, no. Oh, okay.
2: Sorry. No.
1: In fact, uh, over in Countdown to Mystery, she's been relieved of the Eclipso possession, and it's back with Bruce Gordon, who was the original Eclipso back in the Silver Age. And they're trying to convince him somehow that he can um, – the Spectre is trying to convince him that he can become a hero and use the powers of Eclipso for good. That
2: trick never works. That trick
1: never works and, and didn't work spectacularly well injustice Society of America a couple years back really really well done um, you know in, in these little side titles they're they're quietly redefining all this dr. fate's getting re- redefined and not in a very satisfying way to me uh-huh. uh, countdown to adventure though continuing buddy Baker and starfire and Adam Strange has been actually a really good adventure the forerunner stuff has not been interesting <laughs> that except for the fact that Golden Eagle who thought he was Hawkman's son for a while um, uh, you know got to be part of an intergalactic booty call. Okay. <laughs> and, and turned out to be whiny and cryy about it. What? Oh. You just want to use me? I hate it when that happens. I know. You know, I, anyway.
0: So, where's that? Did, oh, I hear, did I miss Galactic Booty Call? You what? did. You did mass,
1: miss Galactic Booty Call. But how about let's go back to, you know. got to uh, take your phone off, vibrate, man. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. A, a book full of booty calls. X-Men. All the titles oh, there, what? man. Aren't those, uh, you know, Who's With Whom and Whatever and Feral. We just had this huge Messiah complex, this huge X-Men event. Uh, and which one of was Reddit? Uh, no, no, I didn't actually read it, but uh, Rick's in the middle of it. But if you pick up today's issue of Uncanny X-Men, written by Ed Brubaker, it's a throwback to one of the things that Lon had commented a while back. We love those issues of X-Men where they just stop and take stock of where they were. Play baseball. In their lives, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mike Choi, who was the artist, I think, on X-23, on the Weapon X, uh, X-23 um, crossovers. Right. Uh, is now the artist on on Kenny X-Men. and I got to say, you know, he, even though there's definitely a manga influence, I really like his work, and uh, he draws a really great Emma Frost. And uh, I would say in one of the most interesting, uh, it's not really a, a double entendre, but it's definitely a provocative statement. Shanna the She Devil and and Emma Frost are speaking telepathically in the Savage Land, and she says, and Shanna says, it must be tough. Um, never being able to see Scott's eyes. And she says, uh, I can turn my body into diamond. I can just look into his eyes anytime I want. And I'm just not sure why that made me go, Ugh, but it did. <laughs> and so it's kind of, hmm. But in the aftermath... That just means she's
0: a cold, hard bitch. And I'm okay with it. Oh.
1: Okay. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the X-Men apparently have disbanded to start this new X-Men Divided... Uh, divided we, divided we stand, kind of thing. Where they're in the wake of civil war, there's a confrontation with Tony Stark. But I guess the thing with Me- Messiah Complex is they were chasing after the first mutant baby that had been born since uh, House of M. House of M. <laughs> It's like I'm, I'm losing track of the names of all these events because mm-hmm. uh, it just seems like yesterday that that Ant Man was still alive. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, She-Hulk <laughs> hadn't ripped the Vision in half. <laughs> Anyway. No more
0: Ant-Man. No more Ant-Man
1: ever. Um, Anyway, in the wake of that, they're chasing him down. And and Cable, a character that Marvel definitely needed to take off the table for a while, has stolen that child into the future. Bishop tried to kill it in order to prevent his future from... This is why time travel makes my head hurt.
0: Well, isn't the Cable taking a baby into the future akin to Cable's origins? He he himself is a baby taken into
1: the future. Yeah, so it's full circle.
0: That would be awesome if that was Cable's like sub like title. You know, every Marvel character has a sub like the Invincible Iron Man or or uh, Cable,
1: the Baby Stealer. Right? No,
0: Cable, the Baby from the Future.
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go pitch that this uh, summer at Comic Con. Awesome. Let's go sit to, down, joke to you. Here we've got mm-hmm. a title. We've got a whole way to read Cable, the Baby from the, the Future. future. Bum, 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 bum. It's the Marvel Babies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nathan Dayspring go bad. Poo-poo. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, I and, got a techno virus in my dipey. Oh, my. And apparently it's a rash. A little powder will take care mm-hmm. of that. Uh, apparently, Bishop missed the baby and shot Xavier. So...
0: How do you miss a baby when you're shooting it's at it? It's a small it? target. Mean, it's not much on. bigger than a womp rat, really. No, we it's... used to shoot babies back in my... <laughs> oh, wait, what? Is this on?
1: Anyway, so I don't know. I mean, I I, I certainly enjoy Ed Brubaker's work, but I feel like uh, there's almost nothing you can do with X-Men right now that it been there, done there, except that the scene he writes with Tony Stark and Scott Summers talking actually sort of clarifies the post-Civil War... Situation for me as far as the X-Men are concerned towards registration and the initiative, and I'm happy about that. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. I'm always happy when a writer is able to make something that's been bugging me sort of make sense. But didn't you
0: also say now, though, that the X-Men are divided?
1: That's what the event's called. Each X-Men title now has a, and it says X-Men Divided
2: on it.
0: So now the X-Men are fighting against each other?
2: No, I think they're, they're all... They're just not all together. Oh, okay. I think, oh, okay. Not, I think that the idea is that they're all... Sometimes mommy and daddy have to be apart. <laughs> they're per- why? I why? I
1: think the idea is they're all pretending to the world, almost like they're dead in Australia, that they're... that they're. That yeah, they, I think I heard that before. Yeah, they're not there. Um, that they're all just going about their lives, which is the definition saying, you know, look, everybody knows that Cyclops is Scott Summers, so why should I register is basically the argument there. Why should we be part of the initiative? We're not superheroes. We're born how we are. Most of us are just trying to live our lives. So, please, you know, leave us out of it. So yeah. Leave Wolverine, Wolverine alone! <laughs> I forgot to, I'm sorry, I <laughs> forgot to lean back on that. So, uh, yeah, that was all, Everything old is new again in, um, in X-Men. And another thing is the 80s black and white boom has come back in full color. And we had a very odd revival well, we're last we going to talk week. about X-Factor? Did you wanna talk about X Factor? Yeah. Or the new that's not X Factor, X Force. X Force. X for the new X Force which is gonna come out next week. Which we
0: previewed in a couple podcasts, few like before the end of the year, I, think. Did we, I
1: may not have listened. Maybe been with the one night at the time I wasn't there. I don't know, I don't but anyways, because so. I remember talking about it. I just think that I just saw the house ad where Scott has created like a hit squad. Is that but big? coming
2: out of Messiah Complex, mm-hmm. Scott has created a a the group of X Men who are killers mm-hmm. who who effectively will go out and do the dirty jobs that have to be done. His mm-hmm. Strike Force, sort of like Batman and the Outsiders over in DC. Yeah, those guys killed.
0: Sort of like Barbie and the Rockers.
1: Uh,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Okay,
1: that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's the way I want. But to
2: apparently, go. The, the, what I heard was Rob Liefeld had actually seen the first issue and gave it his thumbs up approval. Oh, gee, which is a little scary. <laughs> well, fantastic. So
1: there are small words and no feet. Okay, yeah.
2: so
0: and it's Liefeld approved.
2: But that's I mean significant, of course, because he created the original X Force. Yeah, that's yeah. A, true.
1: True. And Cable and sure, sure. Oh, they paid him well to say. Thumbs up. Because yeah. there are some some of you out there that are buying his comics, so he must have some cachet. Not me. Uh, I don't know who, the, who, who they are. I don't know, but they must be. Uh, but I was going to say, this is a revival. Um, adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters.
0: Say again?
1: Adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters from Dynamite Comics. Wait a minute. Don't you mean Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I might mean something about Kung Fu, Karate, Commando, Kangaroos. What? Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point, Lon. Back in the '80s, in the black and white boom, when Eastman and Laird created Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in and of itself, sort of a satire of, of X Men. X Men. Um, no,
0: no, satire X Men. Yeah, that's oh no so, no uh, Daredevil, Daredevil.
1: Daredevil. But the but they were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so they would
2: thrown yeah, in the they threw a bunch of stuff in. They and were that throwing was,
1: they were throwing the, because mutants were
2: X Men. A lot of them up. were like glomming all the disparate things together. So, and
0: let's also explain too for those who weren't around back then, like long. How No, I was around for this. Okay, yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about how that comic took the comic world by storm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles,
1: definitely one of those like X-Men 99. I'm very bitter that I can vividly recall seeing it on the stands. And not picking it up, Mm-hmm. and I and I remember thumbing through Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two. I don't think I ever saw it, number one, but I had I, know I, I had the original two.
2: number one, and I gave I sold it in the precursor to this original shop because I would, I just thought I'd sell it. I got a hundred bucks for it. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, that's, that's not bad. That, you that, you, bad. you know, that was that's pretty good. But I stole yeah. the rest of the run two through whatever. Oh, okay.
0: But this basically for those who didn't know, it was basically this big independent book. It It was huge. Everybody thought it was a joke and it started the black and white It was 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 oversized, too. And people were just amazed at it's you know, it kind of had this wacky title, but it was very. Se- we like have to serious realize and dark.
2: The, bl- the black and white boom was kind of like anybody who who thought they could put out a book did, mm-hmm. and there were a lot. There was a lot of stuff where they had a great cover artist, and they maybe spend some time on the first couple of a couple of pages, and then it would just fall apart and would have no plot through the rest. A lot of mm-hmm. and I, I bought a lot of crap in the eighties. Oh yeah, I bought a lot of crap in the nineties. My but- favorite one, X Mutants.
0: Which Wait, w- I do recall that. Which
2: was about he even uh, had a video game, a world where everybody mutated, but these people had ac- had gone through some type of scientific ac- accident and lost their mutations, and then they were humans. That was again.
1: actually from uh, was it Malibu? Yeah, I think it may have been. It was from Malibu, and they had a video game. And that was actually, I mean, kids, you can't understand what an incredibly heady time for independence the 80s really was, and it, it, you never knew what was going to go on, but. Um, you go back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in the boom there were all these parodies of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trying yes. to get lightning to strike twice. Among them, a young artist named Don Chin created the adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters who were all named after action heroes of the time. I know there was there was a Clint. Yeah. I think this one was Sylvester. Uh, one was Burt for Burt Reynolds. I don't know who the no, fourth. No, Arnold? There were four. It, Arnold might have been the fourth one. Maybe. So, uh, Dynamite Entertainment revived this last week in full color. Uh, Keith Champagne, friend of the show, uh, friend of Fanboy. Um, Fanboy Planet, I have to say, because people think Fanboy Radio is us, and no, they're not. Um, and he revived it with uh, Dom, uh, Tom Nguyen doing the art. And not it's really good art. Tom Nguyen used to be ink Doug Monkey for uh, DC, so it's kind of one of the first real big penciling jobs for, for Tom. And uh, I just don't know. Did either, either was the there a reason for this uh, revamp? Or uh, they got the rights to do the title like Dynamite did, and they assi- and they Were asked people keep, clamoring it? for. A I, don't I don't I, know. And here's how I felt: was you know he's got five new hamsters: uh, Jean Claude, uh, Stephen after Stephen um Lucy. So it was a female, Lucy Lawless, and uh, not Lucy Lou. Not Lucy Lewis. No, clearly, Lucy Lawless because she's wearing the Xena skirt. Oh, ah, okay. Um, Chuck? No, Chuck must have been one of the originals because Chuck Norris must have fit in well, one of the originals. Bruce. Bruce. That's who, it. Was those were the four Bruce? The original. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the originals. So I don't know. I you know the thing. the wa- uh, thing is that uh, Keith tried something very risky that I'm not really sure worked for me was that all the hamsters speak in quotes from From the movies or what their original name their actual namesakes actually said except Lucy I think um, but very clearly, Steven Seagal has made this point: is every every strange thing that the hamster named Steven says, who's fat and wearing a serape through the nice. whole thing
0: Does he have a big long ponytail in the back. Yes, too? yes, That's
1: nice. Uh, it, everything he said is actually not taken from the movies, but from interviews that Steven Seagal <laughs> has given. <laughs> uh, so I like that. You know, the Steven Seagal part was actually made sense, but like, but it leads to a lot of non sequiturs for everybody else. Yeah. So it's kind of they're not limited to it, but Steven Seagal was you know, the Steven one was, but it's also it's exactly the thing. Are you clamoring? Not that many people read it the first time around, and like I said, there were a lot more than just them. There was these kung fu karate. Kang- I know there were kangaroos. There was, I think wasn't there? The famous?
0: something pachyderms too, or something? yeah, but that oh, wasn't was. the black and white
1: boom. Uh, that was a uh, Marvel did that. Yeah, the yeah, the yeah. power pachyderms. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Power, ba- you know. But yeah, actually, the first time power pachyderms appeared was during that to make fun of. That making fun. It's like you know, it, pop will eat itself, and Marvel will be the ones, last ones at the table. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a revival. Not everybody was clamoring for. If anybody it handled okay, it's just that you know, if you didn't, if you weren't a fan, I I just couldn't
2: get into it. As my take on it was, yeah. I got so burnt on the, out on that stuff in the '80s, and I'd buy. You know, if you, if you got into one, there was no guarantee there was going to be another issue. You might, which is a problem buy, now. Yeah. I mean, and we are back into that idea, yeah. That you'll, I know. There's
1: a series that I loved, and any listener, if you from the Black and White Boom, if you could tell me what happened to the comic book series, not the television series with Sean Peg, uh, Simon Pegg, the comic book series Spaced. Did you did you ever read
2: Spaced? God, that sounds ridiculous. funniest
1: thing. The only acknowledgement to mainstream comics was that they were on a like an, a, a spaceship. You know, there is an alien who was first officer. Uh, and he had been like a a, f- a film star, and even I think they even implied he'd done like adult films uh, on Earth. And it was really simplistically drawn, very cartoony, but it was very funny. And they had a uh, they had a security officer who looked like Wolverine, who was named Lieutenant Snicked, and. <laughs> It does sound, good. but it actually had this really great plot going, and I can't say much. You know, I can't really remember Wait, much. That
0: wasn't the sci-fi animated one, was it? No, no, no. That's no. That trip in the rift is what oh, you're thinking. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. no.
1: This was a comic book series, with black and white, and it never it wasn't pretend. You know, and it's like, and I picked it up at Graffiti Comics, which isn't even there anymore in Westwood, Cal- Westwood, when I was at UCLA, and I picked up like the fourth issue. I think I managed to get back to number two. I could never find number one, yeah. but. Because like they had
2: real small print runs.
1: Yeah. It was I just luck. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, yeah, and even now you've got that. There's this company, and I, I know I mentioned it on a podcast before, there's an Oz Wonderland crossover, Oz Wonderland Chronicles, that had a Greg Horn cover a couple years ago. Uh-huh. At least this company is totally honest about it. They will publish one issue annually, and it's available at Comic-Con and your finer L.A. area comic bookstores stores. And I gotta say, it's a shame because it's actually—I've got the first two issues. It's a good book.
2: They'll put it together and then they'll. they'll but I, uh, yeah,
1: it'll be a graphic novel in yeah. about five years. You know, I have to wait every. You know, I go, I buy it every year at Earth Two. I <laughs> so far because it's always there when I go to visit Car, and I go, oh, good, you've got Oz Wonderland Chronicles. Oh, second issue, and it was good. You know, and that's a shame. There's a lot of good work out there. Yeah, that but not the hamsters is what you're saying. I'm saying if you were a Hamsters fan, I believe you would be satisfied. I was not a Hamsters fan before. I found it difficult to get into. I don't think that the creative team did a bad job. I just think it was a book that I, I found difficult because so, I didn't find the joke funny the first time around. Yeah. And so our
0: recommendation then is skip the Hamster book, pick up Cable, well, maybe give, from the future.
2: Let's, let's be honest here. Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles, Eastman and Laird, did a great job on the art. Mm-hmm. and they developed those characters. The characters had personalities. They, d- they had great stories that went along. They got epic numbers of supporting cast characters that developed the they universe. over with the flaming carrot. Man. Yeah. It was, I mean, that was a fully developed book, and that's they deserved to go where they went. Mm-hmm. <coughs> to marry Julie Strain. Uh,
1: and uh, another, yeah. rev- another revival that I know some people have been really, because I, I didn't follow this book, I but I have the first issue, and I should have treasured. I'm not sure where I have it now, but uh, because I know I could sell that for what the Scud, the Disposable Assassin, another black and white that I think did have
2: a was that game slave at one labor.
1: Uh, no, it was Firehouse Press. It was, it was completely independent. It was its own company. Okay. Firehouse Press, created by Rob Schrab, and Rob Schrab has gone on to to write. Uh, a very infamous uh, television pilot, Heat Vision and Jack with Jack Black and Owen Wilson uh, which is a satire of like The Six Million Dollar Man, the Glenn Larson science fiction series of the of the 70s um, uh, infamous because it was supposed to be really funny and Fox passed on it now people watch it like it's available on YouTube and they go, this is really funny probably only really funny as a pilot, might not have made a great series mm-hmm. but you know, but it definitely you know a funny thing, so he wrote that after Oliver Stone bought the rights to Scud and convinced him to come out from Milwaukee, um, Rob Schrab is also, not a lot of people realize this, is one of the guys who did that infamous, well, he was a group of, member of a comedy group called Dead Alewives and did that Dungeons & Dragons parody, you know. I want Funyuns! Um, uh, at Macworld a few years ago, somebody animated it with, uh, with Dungeons Dungeon & Dragons characters playing the game. So it's an early computer animation thing. You don't know this one. I know this one. Oh my gosh! I'm going to have to find this one for you because a lot of people do. Apparently now my students know it because someone's uh, put it to pictures of My Chemical Romance. Because okay. because My Chemical Romance, all those guys are actually geeks. So it's the sound. It's it, it and on the original album, which I again have somewhere. Um, it was set as a, as a PSA that. You're afraid of Satanism, and here's what's really going on in a game of Dungeons & Dragons dragging your youth down. Right, right, right. And there's like, um, so I'm in the tavern. Are there chicks there?
0: I guess I want to do
1: them. And (laughs) it's just how pathetic the game game players are. And I've gone to the game room at BayCon.
0: I don't think that's funny.
1: Oh, you would.
0: These are people, okay? People with feelings. Who listen to Fanboy
1: Planet. I'm sorry, but um, it is funny. Uh, so I, I find it. I know uh, I, there's, there's two that, one, Rob didn't do the second one, but I, I know I have the second one on CD in my car. Okay. Um, anyway, he came out and did that. He wrote Monster House with his partner Dan Harmon and does uh, acceptable television on, um, I think it's VH1, VH1. Yeah. Uh, which Jack Black uh, executive produces. And he runs Channel 101.com. So he had written Scud the Disposable Assassin. Apparently ended on a cliffhanger. I had no idea. And I've over the years had people, what I've mentioned, yeah, I kind of, I, I've met Rob Schrab a couple times because he also came out of the comedy sports tradition. So we'd actually been in a tournament in Milwaukee once together. He would not know me from Adam. But he'll be at WonderCon in a couple of weeks. Number 21, he got, went back to Scud the Disposable Assassin, comes out today. At WonderCon, we'll have the, the only place you can buy it with a cover by him. Okay. He got other artists to draw the cover for this revival to make it special, but at WonderCon he's doing an exclusive, so possibly we keep, might be able to get Rob to sit down with us for a little bit uh, if any of us know anything about Scud the Disposable Assassin. I know that Scud is also one of the action figures that Marvel is going to release in that strange deal in which Marvel no longer puts out Marvel action figures but puts out independent comic book action figures.
0: Because we're all clamoring for those. I don't know. <laughs> my only dealing with Scud is I got a. Uh, I think I got it through Wizard magazine. I got a sampler video game for the computer. It's like a Scud the Assassin. Yeah, there was a game, right? Yeah, yeah, there was. And it only the sample was only like the first two levels. So I'd play on my computer. I'm like, oh, you know, kill the bad guy or kill it's a like robot. S- Side
2: scrolling kind of yeah, game. Yeah, it was
0: like maybe a top scrolling kind of thing, yeah. and it was uh, okay. Didn't
2: okay. leave a huge impression, but so we'll follow up on that at WonderCon.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy, though, who did play, uh, you know, Parley, basically this independent out of nowhere, uh, into a pretty good career in Hollywood. Sure. You know, uh, certainly enjoyed Monster House. So, um, you know, we'll be, we'll be uh, talking, hopefully, to him. We'll see. Because WonderCon is February 22nd, 23rd, 24th. You can come here to Elusive Comics and Games and get advanced tickets
0: to this at a, at a substantial discount. Do we have any word on what's going on at WonderCon yet? Have they released any programming? The big thing, uh, like I
1: said, I know that uh,
0: Kurt Buschek's going to
1: be there. Darwin Cook's going to be there. There's a lot of good talent coming. I think that Noelle Neal's going to get a panel this year because they're really touting that she's been there, even though she's been there in the past and they've not really said it. Signing desk. But if you go to the website, the first thing that comes up is Noelle Neal's going to be there. Interesting timing, because this is what uh, the Scud transition comes with, talking about WonderCon and here at Elusive Comics and Games. Anna, why don't you grab a chair? Anna Warren, who is the owner of Elusive Comics and Games. Say hi, Anna. And also also the CFO of Elusive Arts Entertainment, the publishers of Dorothy Someday, and Tony Loco (laughs) She's the only CFO I know who uses the phrase, hey, "Hey, baby, baby. hey, baby. baby. (laughs) Well, uh, no, actually, the CFO at Notre Dame does that to me all the time. I feel very harassed. Does she Uh, go,
3: hey, baby, or hey, baby?
1: Yeah, just like that. Creepy. (laughs) Wait, say it again. Hey, baby. No, that wasn't you. Okay, so, um, (laughs) anyway, uh, we were talking about at WonderCon, Rob Schrab is going to be selling an exclusive version of the Disposable Assassin, and why I'm glad you came down here is a couple weeks ago, one of the comics... Uh, retailers' associations, comics.
3: Comic Book Industry Alliance, mm. or Comics Pro, which is the Comic Book Professional Retail Organization,
1: released a white paper.
3: Oh, that was Comic Pro.
1: Requesting that independent publishers do yep. not sell issues of their books that nope. have not yet been released to stores.
3: No, you were wrong.
1: That's how it's been portrayed in the press.
3: That is, it has actually been completely inaccurately portrayed. Well, good. In the then we've press.
1: got you sitting down here to explain what that actually is because yes. independence. I've been responding very poorly to that white, pa- white paper as yes. it has been portrayed.
3: Um, it's been completely misportrayed, and and I've been an active participant in, in participant in the discussions. Although I didn't um, read the paper before it was um, put out, I think it was actually put out a little prematurely. I think the wording could have been re- reworded. They
1: should have, have signed redew- it, John Hancock.
3: Reworded. Um, okay. The what the paper was saying was that uh, we comic book retailers prefer that. Um, comics first issues primarily, um, new release concepts uh, are not. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Um, Debut debuted. Thank you. At a convention. At a convention when they have been solicited in Diamond because that just takes away sales from retailers. If it's not, if it's an independent title that's not at, in Diamond, it's not been approved. It's not been submis- uh, submitted to Diamond for approval. Um, you know. Small in- independence, this is completely nothing to do with you, or even new titles that aren't going to get a lot of attention necessarily from the tiny little publishers like Elusive Arts and things like this. No, we're so not talking what, about let, you. Uh,
1: let me see if I can clarify this because, again, yeah, as Elusive Arts, you've got, let's say,
3: yeah, I'm, 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 let's say I Dorothy, it, Dorothy and I number it?
1: eight yeah. uh, you know, comes out this mm-hmm. year. If it's been solicited by through Diamond, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. but you could still sell Dorothy number eight at a convention before retailers have it because... If I'm understanding correctly because it's not a new concept, it's just it's the eighth issue of a series that's already existed. Is that what you're saying?
3: Primarily, it was aimed towards n- new releases, big expected things, things that are actually going to make a dent in a retailer's um, income on a Wednesday. You know, Dorothy <laughs> sells what a couple of copies at a comic book store. That's not going to make a big dent. But uh, you know, a, a so, more a so. more a, a, a title that's got a lot more promotion behind it, one that's really expected, one that people are buying and you know, maybe you know, ten or more copies of. That's- what independent?
1: Would that be? I mean, it's, this is. Such-
3: it's not an independent. This paper was not for independents specifically. This is to the comic book industry at large. So that's part of the problem with, this, with people misunderstanding Well, and this, one of the things paper. is because
1: if it's not to the independents, DC and Marvel don't sell it at, at conventions.
3: No, but you know, there's there's a lot of layers between DC and Marvel and tiny little companies like Elusive Arts. So, you know, you've got Boom Studios and Image and other things like this. You know, there's middle ground people that do sell 10, 15, 25 copies of their comics at retailer. Uh, establishments that are in Diamond that they're, oh, hey, WonderCon's coming up. Well, you know what? We've got the first issue of this new series ready. It's supposed to be in Diamond, or it's supposed to be in stores, let's say March 1st. Let's debut it at WonderCon the week before, thereby cutting back all these sales that retailers were expecting to be making from their customers. So the customers are going to come in and say, sorry, I already got it somewhere else. Now, here's the thing. Publishers should never go to a convention, and I say this as a publisher, should never go to a convention thinking, I'm going to be making money. Publishers should only mm-hmm. go to a convention saying, this is a marketing place. This is where I'm going to market, get my title out there, get into hands. You know, worst case scenario, I'm giving it away. Best case scenario, I'm getting four. price. promoting my, my book. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, but... I'm just here to promote it because I want it to sell large. It's never going to sell large through any single publisher. It is only going to sell large through retail establishments um, online or brick and mortar. That so what is about... Only that's gonna, um, any title's going to be really successful. What about the ones
2: that are like this cover was only available at, you know, this this convention? So the, stuff?
1: Well, see, I think then
2: Scud, for example... Wait, it,
3: would it be in a Diamond? Is it going to be in Diamond?
1: Not with that cover, but it's going to be the same so, book. You see, Scud came out today. It's on your shelf right now. Yeah. Scud the Disposable Assassin. In some circles, a hotly anticipated book to mm-hmm. return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at WonderCon... Rob Schrapp will have the exclusive, the only copy, the only edition with a cover by him as the cover artist. But don't con that's exclusives. But they have a different thing. Yeah, that's completely okay.
3: different. That's a collectible by sure. itself. We're just, right. we're just clarifying. That's a collectible right. by itself. Last
1: year at Supercon. Right. Uh, Blue, Excellent example. Blue Water Press debuted, uh, I read the book, uh, Wrath of the Titans, number one, right. debuted there. Now, would that be one of the one of the dominoes, the tip, that made this white paper come out?
3: Quite Quite possibly. I'm not going to name specific titles because it's, it's not about a specific title. It's about the concept of saying you've put this in Diamond... We are ordering this based upon customers saying, this sounds interesting. Not just me as a retailer saying I'm going to buy like two or three copies and see if it sells. But I have customers coming to me saying, make sure you order this for me. Multiple customers. So I am going to be spending money to buy this comic for my customers. And then the comic is then sold at a major convention, cutting those sales.
0: So it's essentially like if Ludacris had a new album coming out on Tuesday... And he sold a bunch of copies out of the trunk of his car on Monday or the weekend before. Or off his website, right? Or off his website, totally cutting out the retailer and putting it out, yeah. you know, yeah. putting it in his pocket. So, yeah, because again, I can see that.
3: Again, the the main customer of publishers is retailers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and our customer is the reader.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I okay. get it. I get
0: it. I mean, I get <laughs> it.
3: It makes sense.
0: It makes sense. It's just simple. It's simple business. You know what I mean? It's like.
3: It's just the I overall general concept of releasing a brand new title, a, a strong issue or something like this, a big jumping on point or something at a convention right before it's, it's put out through Diamond. And, but let's clarify then for our independent
0: of... friends, this doesn't mean you can't be selling your books at no, the convention, right? No,
3: please. You know, so, promote I mean, your stuff. Promote your stuff. Yeah.
0: So I think you're okay if you're an independent out there and you're, you know, only selling what, five hundred books a year or whatever, who knows or whatever. You
3: no, know, I mean you're you're really struggling. Dorothy's, you know, selling, you know, a couple, well, a, couple a couple thousand when it first comes thousand, out, yeah. and that's that's a really big difference. Tony Loco, you know, a few hundred. That's that's what I'm talking about. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's here's the, the the purpose of this paper was not to say we demand this. The purpose of this paper was we would like to discuss this concept, how it's hurting retailers. Can we please discuss it? It was not a, we demand this happen, but yeah. can okay. you please see how this is hurting your corner retailer? it's hard for
1: me, and this is the way my mind works, without yeah. a specific example.
3: When, when the comics is putting out any paper, the concept is always, we're trying to open a dialogue on this. We're trying to further the comic book industry, try and organize it a little bit more, try and get things not uniform, but sort of on the same
0: road. I make a little dough.
3: That, too, for everybody.
0: Okay. Because there's very little dough in this industry
2: right now, right?
3: That, too, for everybody. <laughs>
2: very little. <laughs> That's true. If you're not in Marvel or DC... So, Anna, before you go, tell us about Josh. He's going to be here? Josh Dysart.
3: Oh, yeah. He, uh, Josh Dysart, current co-writer of BPRD 1946 with Mike Manola, uh, will be here February 20th all day long to sign that and any other comics of his that you might bring. Or anyone else's. He's, he's happy probably to sign Well, that's comics. okay.
1: Uh, there's Conan. There's an old Demon miniseries he will did. Will he sign my
0: Topps baseball cards? I'm
3: sure he will. Sweet. He'll also sign your chest. So uh, Josh will be yeah, here Excellent. February Tattoo. 20th all day. We're going to be having a party like that, that night. For Steve, the manager's birthday as well. So anybody
2: can come to your party?
3: Anybody can come. And then also, Josh will be doing a um, talk over at the Santa Clara Library on Thursday.
2: Very at, nearby. At oh, 1 p.m. very cool.
3: Yes, on Homestead and whatever the heck that cross street is. The uh, Santa Clara S-
1: Public Library. In between Santa Tomas and Kylie.
3: So the Santa Clara Public Library, 1 p.m., Josh will be doing a short one-hour, I think, talk on writing comics. And that is also very much open to the public.
2: So here
3: on the twentieth, on the twentieth
2: at elusive, elusive games, comics games, twentieth of February,
3: twentieth of February, and then uh, Thursday, February twenty-first at one p.m., he'll be doing a talk at the Santa Clara Public Library. And Excellent. then on
1: Friday, the twenty-second, he will be appearing at WonderCon.
3: WonderCon, he'll be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I know where he'll be because I am actually housing him every day. So, <laughs> oh, okay, right.
1: that
2: guy's just all over the place.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, Josh wherever, is, wherever Anna is, Josh will you can follow find that Josh. weekend. So, no, huh. he's he's being really, really generous with his time. Absolutely. And but
2: that's but that's great. Totally and That's a great book awesome. he's working on right now. We already gushed over it. Uh, BPRD, yes. yeah. And, and he'll
3: be appearing on Fanboy Planet,
2: the podcast. The podcast Absolutely, Wednesday and, night. And this summer
1: he'll be writing The Unknown Soldier from Vertigo, a book yes. we are very much looking forward to uh, as well. Um, go back, get your Captain Gravity and the Power of Real collection. Got Which got you, you got that? Have that's a few, uh, I, you know, I should get him to sign it. Um, it's got did it. it. Uh, Derek McGaw made a critical Dude, remark it. on it. I'm quoted there as. Actually, I think I ended up being Dave
3: McGaw on the back of Very that book. Very good. And we—I um, just want to mention that next Wednesday the thirteenth, we'll be having a love sucks party. So all you single people, bring your single people, and anyone who's in a couple, no kissing. We're gonna. You party don't here.
2: have alcohol at these things, do you? Of
3: course <clears throat> not.
2: Good, because no. I would no. hate to think no. that there'd be a lot you in a couple, but people. you come just by yourself?
3: That's fine, as okay. long as you talk about how much love sucks and how great my divorce is going. Is. Okay, that's it. That's all for me. Cool. Okay.
1: Thank you. Thanks,
0: great. Guys. Thank you, Anna. Anna Warren, everyone. Clappity-clap.
3: newly single divorcee. Eh?
0: There you go. That's what it... <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. She's single. Oh, okay. All right. Um... Come into Elusive Comics and Games, and you, too, might be able to date an Anna. Should we be
1: talking about Spider-Man Swing Shift now? Oh, let's. <laughs> Rick, tell us about it, because you don't want to read it.
2: Okay, so I didn't realize this, because I never got around to the huge pile of books that I bought on, or I picked up on, free comic book day. But the recent, last week... Uh, Swing Shift was released. The director's cut was Goldie so, Hawn in there. Extended the scenes with Kurt Russell. No, oh, okay. This is Spider Man. Oh, Spider Man, Swing yes, Shift. Spider Man, Swing Shift, and uh, apparently- written by Dan Slott, who was the current writer of. Brand new day, indeed. And when this came out originally in Free Comic Book Day, it was just a generic Spidey story, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. no continuity with the existing storylines, mm-hmm. no Civil War, no everybody knows is Peter Parker. And all it was all of
1: shortly things. before Spider-Man Three was released, I
2: think. Free Comic Book Day, Book day happened before. Yeah, I can't remember myself, but I'll look at week over that. Yeah. So the director cut comes out, and it gets exposed that really what. Uh, what Swing Shift was, was the first story that was in continuity of events past... Uh, past well, one win, more day. One more day. Which I should also
1: say, again, that was the brand new day. As much as I may object to its the reason for its existence, that event has been handled absolutely the way it was supposed to be. Dan, clearly, yes. Dan Slot and who, whoever his rotating artists have been have been working... For months on this, where yeah. Brand New Day was supposed to be a monthly event and that got delayed and delayed. One more day, oh, sorry, one more day was delayed and delayed. Brand New Day's been coming out on a weekly
2: basis. Yeah, and they talk in the book. It's really an interesting read in the back because there's a there's a bunch of text uh, prose section in the back where they talk about the process by which they're bringing it out as a weekly book and how they've got the the teams of writers and artists working together. So uh, I, if you missed it the first time, I, and especially if you didn't get it on a free comic book day, I'd, I'd recommend it. Pick it up. It's a good book. Okay. I
1: I again as much as I hate the reason for its existence, I have been enjoying reading Dan I'm just, Slott's I'm work. I'm just
2: as torn as you are. I wish there was like, uh, but because I
1: like Dan Slott, Dan Slott is a yeah. writer who I know he will not disappoint me. I
2: love the idea they had the villain who was the Spider-Man fan, the the uh, guy. No, the, I haven't read it. I haven't read Swing oh, Chip, those, so the, I yeah. it. No, no, no. In the in the regular storyline, in the uh, the brand new day oh, the, storyline, the, the, there's the the auto the, racer guy. Oh no! I'm I mean, maybe I'm a couple behind. You might be, but but he fights this guy whose whose uh, gimmick is he's got this hopped up car with all these gimmicks in it. And when Spidey finally breaks in through the windshield, he sees inside of it's all these like air fresheners and <laughs> Spider Man toys and everything. He goes, hey, I'm your biggest fan. I'm a villain, but I'm your biggest fan. What a great little twist! And he gets. I won't spoil too much, but at the end, at the end, he gets. He's in you know how do how do Spider Man villains end up right? They're all webbed up yep, somewhere. Yeah. And so there's a note on the webbing that says, uh, courtesy of your friendly really? spinner. And the guy's going, hey, can I have that? Because <laughs> I'd like to add it to my collection. You know what? That just
0: made me think of something. Does Spider-Man carry around a little notepad and a pen? He must. How does he write that stuff?
1: He must. He's got a utility belt They just never – Does he have a utility? Oh, he's yeah. got
0: a – He's got all the web uh, cartridges, yeah, he's cartridges in there. He's got,
1: and he's got a, cu- a couple extra things that's been shown in stories past. And I should say, just because you know we get a lot of letters about this, if you like what's going on on a brand new day, um, but you're irritated by, again, the events of One More Day, Dan Slott has some really good things that are available in trade paperback. His run on She-Hulk, I think, is, almost, it is completely collected now. That's a great book. Uh, the Thing series he wrote which ended up being only seven issues was a great series so there's a trade paperback of that and there's a, a DC book uh, an Arkham Asylum trade paperback he wrote a mini series about Arkham Asylum which isn't funny at all it's actually really disturbing hmm. and I don't know why Dan Slott didn't quite fit in DC he never got like they just never gave him a bigger assignment, but his Arkham Asylum story is great. So I highly recommend that if you can find it. I, I can't remember what remember the, the subtitle title of it? Arkham Asylum I is. Arkham? I, I, I believe is just what it's called. There might be a subtitle to it, but it, he created a super villain, a villain who's been used since called the Shark, um, but uh, it's, like shown up recently in Batman books. Okay, uh, so. But it's all just the villains and the psychology, and he he created a whole bunch of throwaway villains you'd never seen before and haven't seen since. But it was so, Batman barely appears in it, and it's a it's a great great miniseries. So look that up. Cool. Uh, Last a well, not last. We have two things because why the last man number sixty ended. It finally ended last week. Uh, Aaron finally. I make it sound like it was this huge long drawn out thing. It wasn't. It was a brilliant series. Aaron Frost mentioned it. She talked about, but none of us had read up to it. Uh, I did get a chance to to read it. And all I can say now is, wow! What an amazing ending, perfect ending to a series that I, again I was never really disappointed in. Always excited when I picked How it many up. Total issues? I think it's I think it's sixty. Okay, I think it's sixty. So it's it, once all the trades are there, it's not going to be a whole heck of a lot of stuff in trades. I'd recommend reading it in those big chunks like that. Yeah. But uh, I mean now especially, but but wow, that's going to be one, in, in, a, in we're going to be talking about you know recommending in years when people ask. Like, what's a good one to pick up? Steven Nelson, pick up your Why the Last Man. Pick up your Why the Last Man. And a series that already I'm going to, I'm saying, it. it's going to turn out to be a classic, The Twelve. You read the first issue? I read the first second issue. second issue comes out today? Yeah. Yeah, so what do you think of the first issue? No, that you I read loved
2: it. It, it was uh, It was a nice take on the... Out of time characters, and the uh, the Phantom Reporter was a, a great little narrator. The idea that the the heroes without powers are referred to tourists. as tourists that, that was, that's it's a cool. well thought out psychology.
0: Yeah. And this is a book you previewed on Fanboy Planet like a month ago, month yeah, and a half ago. The first oh. issue, second okay. issue
1: came out today. I read that and went, and it just keeps up. Yeah. It's like everything that he set up. There are things in the Black Widow. Who's writing this? Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who's going to be at WonderCon. we got to try and corner JMS. Because it would be nice to have an actual audio. If we could get him on the podcast, yeah. I don't know if he's...
0: He doesn't read the, the the emails,
1: does he? Not the emails, but I know he has read Fanboy Planet. Because actually the first time I got his email address was he, out of the blue, had read something that I wrote about him. And he
0: was... Oh, he called interested. you out? Uh, just a correction. He, he just all, "Listen, girlfriend. No, no, I did it not a, do it that. It was a
1: misinterpretation of a press release, and he mm. said, and he said, no, the press release was poorly written. I still have the rights to my Joe's comic stuff.' It was a. I wonder t- if
0: he listens to this podcast.
1: I think he probably has better things to do, but you know, you never know. Hmm.
0: Let's be careful with what uh, ideas we throw out uh, from in the future. Lawn. What? <laughs> uh, lawn. Yeah. I'm just saying. What? If he starts riding Cable, Baby from the Future, I will be upset.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> you hear me, Jay Michael?
1: Babies from the Future. How about Superman, The Man of Steel, the movie? Yeah. Hmm? Babies oh, in the he, Future? Well, there was a baby. There was a baby in Superman, in there Superman was. Returns. But uh, what I've quietly noticed, and I was just mentioning to Rick uh, earlier this week, is I, I don't we have a MySpace page for Fanboy Planet.
0: Uh, and, and I've noticed that you haven't really girly it all up with, like, you know, your photos and, you know, your, like, little, like, favorite songs and stuff. And I don't know how to do that stuff. Oh, okay. I don't have time. I hate that stuff. Uh, no.
1: no. I mean, I put a, you know, if there's any photos of, of Fanboy Planet staffers with celebs, that kind of thing, you know, just goofy Little things. And I, when I have time, if we have something really big, I try to you know, put that bulletin out there. But anyway, amongst my bulletins, I saw a thing from Superman, the Man of Steel, which used to be the Superman Returns page. Uh, so it was the official Warner Brothers MySpace presence for the Superman movie franchise. Which said, debunked a rumor that we were talking about a few, uh, probably a month and a half, two months ago. I've heard that rumor from multiple sources, Yeah, too. Yeah, that, that, is, uh, that Brandon Routh was out. So suddenly on the, the official site it says, oh, no, you know, just because Justice League, that's a separate thing. Brandon Routh is absolutely still going to be Superman in the sequel to Superman Returns, Superman the Man of Steel. Whether or not that's with Brian Singer, still not quite known. Uh, and then they promised that something in the next few days, big news will be coming. I don't know what that big news is. And it'll be there on that site? And it'll be there on that, there on that site. And I just thought it was very interesting. And we'll it's link to it from point. Fanboy Planet? I, if I can figure out how to do that. My problem is that I have a work server that blocks me from MySpace. Uh. So I can't like test if I've done it correctly because it'll just say access denied. Let's see what I can do. Darn school districts. The word breast must be mentioned. Uh, no, I'm not part of a school district. We're an independent.
0: Darn independence. All
1: right, yes. Uh, in the wake of the Super Bowl, we got to see some trailers for movies that are upcoming. And
0: wasn't it a fantastic Super Bowl, by uh, the way? I
1: really enjoyed the, I, you know, And I only really seriously watch one football game a year, and I'm watching it for the commercials. But I was watching the football game. Yep. Oh, I loved it. Because usually the Super Bowl, to me, is like, ah, one team's so clearly better than the other. Don't know how that happens. Right out of the gate. Somebody gains momentum, the other team never gets it back. This was the way I want a Super Bowl to go. Yeah, I want that a, game to just be to the very end. I don't know what's going to happen. Never give up. Never sort of surrender. like a J-horror film.
0: Yeah. So we saw some commercials. Uh-huh. Saw the
1: Iron Man trailer. What do we think? I can fly. <laughs> yeah, I can fly. I don't know if it was supposed to be a surprise to him, or, but that's what I love because you don't know what's going on with Downey Jr.'s performance.
0: My yeah. one critique... And I had a friend critique as Give well. Give it to me. Uh, did anyone think the last segment at the end was way too animated?
2: Yes, it looked like it was a video game. Yeah. The business where he's walking, he, where he, the tank shoots. Oh yeah, him, yeah, 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 Misses. He fires yeah. and he turns was away hard to before tell. it blows yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. It looked like I, mean, I was
1: grateful for that sequence, however, because again, it held my son's attention.
2: Yeah, you know, the, it was it was a very nicely paced scene.
0: No, it worked great, but I felt like I was watching the cinematics for Marvel... Exactly. What was that? Marvel... Marvel Alliance. Ultimate Alliance. Ultimate Ultimate Alliance, Alliance. yeah. Yeah. It just felt really CGI. And I'm
1: going to say something about the Iron Man trailer uh, is that now it does fill me with fear, as you guys have said, about Incredible Hulk. Because what it reminded me was that the Hulk had a, a Super Bowl commercial years ago, and it's starting to really make me nervous, as you guys have expressed before that we have not seen a thing of any real weight about the Hulk himself yeah. for a movie that's coming out in June.
2: Yeah, I give it another couple of weeks. So they haven't done it by then. I'm scared. Yeah.
1: I'm getting a little scared. You hear that, Marvel? You hear that, Avi? You
0: Who's hear that, that, J. Michael? Give me something. J. Michael is not part of Hulk. Oh, well, I just know he listens. I don't want to blame him. Oh. We don't.
1: We don't know that he does. He might. That'd might be wonderful. Yeah. Maybe he'll write it and go, shut up, stop name-checking me. Oh, okay. Tell Pez I'm going to kick him in the... Yeah. Right. He's going to kick me in the Straczynskis. <laughs> we saw other trailers. Did you?
0: Yeah. Were we finished with Iron Man, though?
1: Yeah, we are. Yeah, I okay. think so. I okay. mean, other than my son I wanted to watch it again and again and again. Uh, you
2: know, so it's not a kid's movie. So there was a, there was an interesting trailer where they were actually throwing bullets around.
1: <laughs> Ew. Based
0: on a graphic, on,
1: I don't like to call it a graphic novel. A miniseries. a six-issue mini series, <laughs> even though now somebody would buy it as a graphic novel.
0: I actually bought. I was a fan of that. Uh, uh, I thought miniseries. it was an
1: interesting. It was an interesting miniseries. But what
0: they're doing in the movie is a complete departure, I think, from uh, uh, the film well, or from the comic.
1: Other than the protagonist Wesley discovering that he has uh, the he has the same powers essentially in both the film. And, did he ever?
0: Did he have real powers? Yeah, I thought he yeah, would just
1: no. He, he it was the power to be the perfect marksman. It mm. was not just. Uh, that was not a natural talent. That was a superpower, basically, oh, okay. They could hit okay. anything. And that still is in play, but nothing else about that movie seems to be familiar. And I, on one level, I do understand, because not everybody's going to get, oh, that character's supposed to be like the Joker. Oh, that character's supposed to be like Well, like let's Sleuther. explain
0: the big difference. The big difference is the comic... Is from a supervillains point of view. It's right. all about basically, builds the, of supervillains. Basically,
1: the secret society of supervillains, because it was originally an Elseworlds pr- uh, presented that way. The secret society of supervillains one killed all the heroes. I think like made Superman brain damage. Don't they keep him on a leash or something or bizarre? There's some, I mean, there's some like insult to a su- to a, a Superman analog, and they've appeared elsewhere. The characters have also been in the Savage Dragon. There's a crossover between those two. Mm. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's basically supervillains, but not everybody gets, you know, in the mainstream is going to get the supervillain So they've changed archetypes. it to
0: a League of Assassins that tries to uphold order or something in a chaotic world, and it was just like... With Morgan Freeman. Yeah, and I was kind of, I don't know, I just, I, I mean, we'll have to see how it works, but I thought that was kind of a strange departure. It was like, you're going to make a wanted movie, why not yeah. do it the right, you know, the way they <laughs> planned it.
1: This is sort of like doing a superhero, uh, ca- like a Captain America movie, and saying, and you'll never wear the suit. Right. A yeah. Punisher movie, and he won't have the skull on his chest.
0: Mm. Yeah. Speaking of the Punisher movie, mm-hmm. go ahead. Rick, do pictures. we have anything? Oh, uh, Rick sent us some new pictures online. I didn't get a chance
2: to see them, but Rick. Go Are ahead. we going
0: to put them on the site, maybe?
2: We'll probably. Can we to link them to them? them? Well, we could. Yeah, they're on people. the Marvel we'll site.
0: What, what'd you think, Rick? Um, I'm still bored for Warzone, yeah, still, Warzone. I,
2: it's like okay you're going to show me pictures and you're going to try to get me excited about this I've got one picture of him like looking at a cabinet or he's looking into something where it's there's like a machine gun crazy chain gun lit. kind of thing in it and, and, and
0: is he wearing the skull no. no and there's another one where he's walking See, down I was a, being
2: sarcastic uh, he's down at the end of the Long long Yeah, he's walking it's down the street lit, yeah. you
0: know. and it's lit it's lit almost I've got a Blade Runner feel did you get that at all no I so what that.
1: you're telling me is basically that you're going to come around to my way of thinking and say the first Punisher movie with Thomas Jane was actually enjoyable and no. far closer to the Punisher than you're going to get with this Warzone movie? No, I'm going to
0: stay to my original way of thinking and say that the best Punisher movie so far Hasn't has remained. been the Dolph Lundgren
1: movie. Ooh, that's crazy talk,
0: man. Yeah, watch it again. Watch okay. it again.
1: Watch it again? No, they've already done that a couple no, times. No, watch it again. <laughs> Okay,
0: were there any other movies? Prince Caspian.
2: Oh, yeah. And
1: I, the only reason it was notable to me was because I tried to watch the... They did a trailer a month ago or so, and I watched that, and was, I was not very impressed by that. trailer. It didn't show very much. And then this Super Bowl commercial, it seemed like, oh, this is a bigger fantasy. And I found it a little more um, engrossing, actually, than... Like, I like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Good adaptation of the novel, but... I also felt like Narnia felt very small, and and that they and which they later proved uh, that there was not much substantial difference between that and the Narnia as portrayed in epic movie. Let me just ask this though <laughs> so, does,
0: does the talking lion come back? Yes, yes. I'm there. That. Forget it, I'm there.
1: Yes, okay.
0: Talking lions
1: rad, and a strange, uh, nondescript European accent for I am Prince Caspian, which I don't recall him necessarily having yeah. to have an accent.
2: But, I mean, it's the second book in a series, and so there'll be less introductory exposition. They'll get into yeah. the Accenture storyline faster. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Will we
0: get another Chronicles of Narnia parody for Mandy Sandberg?
2: Undoubtedly. Let's
1: hope. Well, let's let's hope. There was a good commercial with him uh, at Super Bowl. Uh, really? Was it good? I thought the Pepsi commercial okay. with Justin Timberlake was actually pretty funny. Mm.
0: Even the gratuitous nut shots on the mailbox? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that
1: makes me laugh. Anytime that Justin Timberlake gets it, yeah. Wow.
0: Okay. Well, shoot for the stars. Because, you know, yeah.
1: he was with Britney Spears before she went crazy. So, you know, i got to see him take it down a peg.
0: <laughs> Leave Britney alone!
1: No. <laughs> and so that was Super Bowl. watch all these, you know, there were other couple other movies. I didn't think the studios made great usage. I was really expecting a Dark Knight I really was expecting some kind of Dark Knight commercial. Too soon. soon. Too
0: soon. Too soon. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think so. No. No.
2: no. Too soon. No. Yeah. No. You don't have to show it. You can show Really. This, really. This conversation's not getting any <laughs> you want, deeper.
0: You want to be in the middle of a Super Bowl party <laughs> and go, oh, I'm so bummed out now. You can just show now. Batman
1: because no. there are still people out there that don't know he was the Joker. There's still time. There will oh, be all more. Right. All right. I just see it as the great... I was waiting for a speed racer commercial. Instead, so I got the Fox NASCAR commercial, and then the Terminator fighting football players throughout. That it. was, that was awesome. awesome. I loved it. And that was great because you know,
0: every commercial break, my son just goes, "I don't like the skeleton. <laughs> I don't like the skeleton." <laughs> you know what, though, I liked. You know why? Because that robot they have on the Fox football this is no thing. Egg. He has got a huge head, and he needed to be taken down a peg.
1: Okay? It's Tom, about time. Was Tom Brady in that robot armor? Is that what you're saying? He was controlling it? Probably. And, uh, and Eli Manning was the Terminator? Yes! Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I never really metaphor. said who won, so... Uh. It does remind me that, I, I you know, again, I, I didn't see watch Sarah Connor this week, but I, how much, again, I'm enjoying the Sarah Connor Chronicles and preferring it as a continuation of the series over Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Definitely.
0: Yeah. You know who made a guest appearance as a Terminator this week? No, I don't. Does anybody know the name of Brian Bloom? No. I guess not. Okay. (laughs) Um, Dreamy teen teen idol from the 80s. Gorgeous blue eyes. Anybody? No? I'll
2: be using the cricket sound effects again. (laughs)
0: Okay. Tell uh, me um, from your days as uh, editor-in-chief
1: of Tiger Beat Magazine. He's actually Bop. Uh, Okay, whatever, but who is he?
0: I don't really know what he's famous (laughs) for, but he just was a teen heartthrob (laughs) from the 80s. The ladies out there, if you know... No teen
1: heartthrob is big enough to be a Terminator. If you
0: know who Brian Bloom is, please send your letters to editor (laughs) of (laughs) fanboyplanet.com.
1: Enlighten me. Uh, you know, speaking of, there was an odd little thing, uh, McGee wants, uh, Josh Brolin to be the Terminator in the, the, um, Terminator Salvation with Christian Bale. And so, interesting, I thought, well, there's a guy, there's an actor who's rugged enough You know what would he, who would over. be
0: better Terminator in that movie? Tell me. Javier Bardem or whatever, from No Country for from Old no Men. Men was also
1: in, and Josh Brolin is the other guy. Right, but Reduck I'm just Reduck. saying, okay. if you
0: saw that movie, he pretty much yet. is a Terminator in that movie, so...
1: I think I think you know. Go small. Tom Cruise is the Terminator. <laughs> I no. I I felt that after watching Collateral. Travel size Terminator. Travels. Small but gets the job done. All right, it gets yeah. done. Uh, <laughs>
0: so, are you Sarah Connor? <laughs> I love Sarah Connor. <laughs> he
1: scares me. Uh, but now no, you're just being glib. You're show, just being glib, Derek. No, okay, whatever. You don't know what I know.
0: You don't know what I know, Derek.
1: Okay, you haven't done the research. You're just I being done. glib. The point is, I'm also enjoying a show called Torchwood that you. you don't play, watch. You provincial little man, do not watch.
0: Only watch American shows. Walk Isn't this? that right, America? Because
1: you only get like four channels, don't you? In C- my can head. You, can you afford cable? Oh, yeah, I get yeah. cable. Rabbit ears. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which in a year won't be good. Anyway, uh, Torchwood, which is still showing, I, I got to see the third episode. I, and only. I'm not going to spoil any of it except I'm enjoying the second season as much, if not more, than the first season. But it, it's. I've also made this realization they had a time travel plot. Now, like, people talk about the end of Star Trek The Next Generation with their weird time travel plot, All Good Things Must right. Pass. How called All Good Things. All Good Things. Yeah. Which I thought was a very overrated episode because I felt that they caused the very problem that um, they were trying to solve in time travel. And it didn't quite add up, which often happens. And I don't blame Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, because really, Star Trek is one of the few examples of a time travel plot that worked well with "City on the Edge of Forever" in, in episodic television.
2: Torchwood actually has. I don't Can know, I explain something to you then? That episode bookend the series with the beginning of the series, which was them encountering Q for the first time. Right. Okay. And yes. So That's more that I really recall final, about why The it was final important. test of Picard. In that, in that episode. So that was, it was that aspect didn't bother me. of it.
1: That aspect didn't bother me. Right. There was just something about the way they created the menace that had to bring Q back in and, and was testing them was a menace that they had themselves had created as a result of the advice of Q. And it, it was a very circular and right. wrong-headed right. – if you thought about it too much, it made the head hurt. Torchwood this week actually did – gives us a view of an earlier version of Torchwood, the Torchwood of 1917. Oh, cool. Which is really cool. It's well, not yeah, very well, much, but because
2: it started with uh, Queen, Victoria, Queen Victoria, Queen Victoria
1: started Torchwood, so we yeah. actually get a, a glimpse. And I'm hoping it recurs of the Torchwood te- of and earlier. Do Torchwood Black Dossier? Excellent. Uh, I'm so, that's where I was going next. Damn you for stepping on my joke. Uh, <laughs> I mean, isn't
0: Torchwood essentially just a bad British knockoff of the Men in Black? No. No. Okay. Just check. Uh, <laughs> know of
1: whence you speak before you speak. Tom Lopez Cruz Pez uh, anyway so uh, but it was actually a time travel plot involving time paradoxes that added up and I try- I was I was thinking about wait am I really enjo- am, am I really just giving it a pass because I love Torchwood no this actually does make sense it's not their fault and they are solving it in a logical way. And it's very rare that I see it, ta- you know, because I don't blame just Star Trek. A lot of people, D.C. doing time travel makes my head hurt uh, <laughs> a lot. And so, it, except for, you know. I mean, How do I'm, you
2: feel about Back to the Future?
0: Uh, Gotta go back in time. time.
1: I really enjoy Huey Lewis and the News. Good, They're one of you. my favorite bands ever. Um, I like ZZ Top, but not
0: as much. The first one was great. Second one, not so much. Third one? Third right. one I like. Okay.
2: Yeah, but yeah, okay. I Actually, I like the second one, but I don't. Time the
1: second one was all filler, hurt. though. Yeah. Actually, but but the Back to the Future trilogy is really well thought out yeah. too, as well. So I'm, mean, you know, I, it's rare. I can say in episodic television when they do it, like I certainly when Enterprise was dealing with the temporal cold war. I don't think that what little I saw of that was yeah, that was, was very well handled. That was a mess. So it's nice to see science fiction actually do it right on television. television do science fiction right. Let me put it that way. Right. Sci-fi often does, but not on television. So back to one that you guys have watched, and I just don't know, speaking of messing around with time, Lost returned. I got no clue. Go ahead. Speak.
2: Well, we mentioned last week that this season is going to be using flash forwards, which basically take place after some number of the people on the island get off the island. And this week we found out a couple of things. We'll do some mild spoilers. Which, again, let me, uh, spoiler let me just say alert. For my
1: friends like, say, Charles McKeithen, who said, it's purgatory. Suck it.
0: It's
2: not. Okay. <laughs> so the flash-forwards will tell, show us some of the people back in civilization, back off the island, and regretting it. And this week we found out that apparently there are six that get off the island. And they
0: make it sound like it's almost um, like a lot of almost like a like a big with uh, like a news were there like or a big event. Well, I think they were a big event. The Oceanic 6. yeah they people ha- they have a title. Because,
1: they, because they had launched a website about somebody whose girlfriend was on the flight and was lost so there's a website about you know find yeah. oceanic
2: yeah. whatever the number flight number is. Right, there was a there was a teaser to that in- So
1: talk about a show that really has used multimedia well. Did you watch that teaser? Well. I never, Yeah, I did. What I could online. you explain that?
2: Um, well, it's another one of those viral marketing things where you go in and you explore and you have to watch the videos and try and figure it out. And I just don't have the time for that. But I Okay, watched. but it was – You there was take a, some Theraflu and you probably take care of that. Yeah.
0: There was a commercial though like during Eli Stone or something they were exactly, going exactly. to do. And, then,
2: uh, and the Eli Stone commercial basically gave you a website. Mm. And you went to the website and you could see more videos, but they, videos of what? Uh, basically, it's some guy hacking into the TV signal in the middle of an oceanic uh, commercial, commercial, and he doesn't believe. Apparently, like we we heard one that there were no survivors mm-hmm. to the when uh, what's her name, uh, Naomi, right, parachute right. on that on there. I, and I keep on seeing her from the Las Vegas show Right, right. here. Uh, that's what happened to her, because she, she left it in kind of a mystery. Right, right, right. Anyway, so Naomi uh, – Said there's no survivors. Said there's no survivors. So, so apparently the real world, the real the real world, world thinks, thinks that the plane went down and nobody, nobody survived. But also on the show they had
0: said, no, we sent robotic cameras down there and saw the wreckage. Wasn't that on the show?
2: Right, but those are probably fake.
0: No, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's all this mystique that's added. So right. And they're still
1: adding the mystery then that some people do get off the other but do you know –
0: well, wait. We were talking about the commercial. So the okay. guy hacks uh, in and he says.
2: So he's, he, I, I I watched it once. I don't really, really remember all that much about it. But just for people, but basically, who didn't catch he well doesn't it believe used. he doesn't believe the story that Oceanic uh, uh, Airlines okay. is, is putting out, and he's going to try and track down the truth.
0: Awesome. Yeah. You know why I like that? Because all their viral marketing has been about some corporation that's the shady. Hansa? The, Hansa? Oh, the Hanso. the Hanso, Hanso stuff and then there was cool. yeah, the yeah. Hanso stuff, the Dharma stuff, and now we've got. Oceanic. Well, I wonder if we can tie the, it all together. The first
2: one of their viral things was the Oceanic Airlines website, mm. which was was when you get onto it, it says we're closed. Mm. Apparently the the wreck was just too much for them; they, they folded. Now that apparently has been dropped because mm. Oceanic's back. But you they would show you uh, the layout of the plane so you oh, could pick your seats. And if you clicked on the different seats, like if you're trying to pick your seat for a flight different things would happen to the map including the map tearing apart and the tail end falling off of the map on nice. the on the air the uh, website
0: that's a great thing about loss is that this you know the hype they can add you know on the internet and you know create the basically furthering the lore of the show I think that's one of the great things about the show is who else is putting that much extra time into a TV show? You know what I mean? But I like I, the, I, cool. I like
2: these flash forwards. This is really an inventive thing. I don't think I've seen any other show do this kind of thing where they're going forward from the current storyline mm-hmm. to show you snippets no, but of the in future. In a sense,
0: though, this flash forward was essentially a flash forward and a flashback because it's flash-forwarding right. from the time we forward. catch in. Right. But but before the previous one. Yeah, the last flash-forward we saw was after this one we saw. So it's very confusing if you're not up on your That's
2: that's why they gave Jack a beard in the latter one. What I like is he's all, I'm
0: I'm thinking about growing growing a beard. beard. I'm like, really? Who says that? (laughs) Who says that? I've said that. I I still have to
1: ask permission. Yeah,
0: Yeah, but then the beard he had in that flashback was crazy man beard and not, oh, I'm thinking of growing this out and shaping it. It was uh, I'm no, gonna write my manifesto. now. Yeah, I'm I'm a psycho <laughs> doctor hook on uh, prescription drugs. So. Right. Okay then.
2: Yeah. So, but anyway, the uh, you know what I thought was advance. bold. What
0: starting a season starting a season with a story about Hurley. You know what I mean? Because every every like season premiere has always been about Jack or you know I think one of them was like Desmond and Ben. You know yeah. all these characters, you know these main characters, and like Hurley. He's always been seen as kind of a sidekick character. Hurley's whenever. an important character. Yeah, Hurley but now knows they're the kind numbers. Of, Hurley, right.
2: you know, there's something about Hurley that... Uh,
0: and we're starting to find out. There's something Yeah, about uh, I know. It was,
2: it was a movie. Of, well, there was something about Hurley. Um,
0: But he brings such a vulnerability and, you know, just you, kind of you a You gave me such a
1: look of disdain. If only at home you could see that.
2: <laughs> I thought you were going for that joke. Uh,
0: I was. I don't even know. But anyways, overall thoughts, you liked it. oh
2: yeah, I'm uh, really excited about the show. I'm hoping that uh, the next seven episodes will be up uh, ramp it up even more. You know what I'm
0: hoping is I'm hoping they'll end the strike so we can get the full season, the full sixteen uh, rumor has it yeah.
1: rumor has it that what we know for sure that the Writers' Guild has called an informational meeting on Saturday night, and the rumor is that, that will actually then be the announcement of. Uh, the deal that has been offered. You uh, sure it's just so they all to, can't uh, go vote. vote for Obama? It's too late, Lon. Do you understand? no, no, no? There's
0: other primaries coming up this weekend. Uh,
1: do you understand though that California has already actually voted, and most <laughs> of the writers' get what being in Cali- Do you get how maybe, democracy works? Maybe
0: they're they're like some S- of the. Did you vote? You yeah. don't have to tell me. Yes, Peru. yes, right. I did. Did you? Yes, I did, and I voted for quiz the writers. Quis quake. I I wrote voted for the writers to stop striking. Yeah. Because I want my that? shows back. <laughs> I know.
2: So if they do come back, uh, with uh, I eight want we, um, I uh, want the Big Bang Theory to return. No, but if you talk about the Lost writers, they got seven weeks. Can they put together an, even another show in seven weeks? Or I mean, they could do don't a know. show
0: in like four weeks. I think. You think?
2: I think they could. I okay. think they could. Because they got all the sets. So once they get into the cycle,
1: you got mm-hmm. Paul Dini and you got Brian K. Vaughn. Those guys are fast and prolific. Okay.
0: And I bet when you, Brian K. Vaughn was writing Runaways. It wasn't late. And I bet you they've got all the episodes outlined and just not, you know, they yeah, haven't I had the think other... That, I okay. think there's something to that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of the shows that we really do like are probably that way. You know, I think even you could pick up Sarah Connor Chronicles and be, I know there's a there was an article on it a couple of weeks ago in Entertainment Weekly where they did make a specific mention of, like, it's very weird that we can't go to the writer's office and ask questions. What do they mean by this? Mm. But we're still working. So you know what maybe what I that's why of Summer is acting
2: so strange.
0: You know what I thought of today, too, is, just think, if this writer's strike wasn't on right now, at this time and place, we'd have Heroes, Lost, Terminator, and what else? Uh,
2: Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Okay. Uh, we'd what have an The awesome Office. T- we'd a- have Scrubs. We'd no, I'm have just saying, every
0: show I love. Well, I don't mean that, but I'm saying, what an awesome... No, I mean that. What about awesome TV for geeks? It's geek? an awesome lineup. You know what I mean? Like, it's good Geek TV, you know, it was, it was here. It's now. It's alive. It's on Kinda fire. Wow, Charlie... Um, And speaking of good geek TV, Mm -hmm. if we can bring this on home. Why don't you? Back to the Super Bowl before we go.
1: Tell me your very strange geek theory about Super Bowl.
0: I just want the geeks out there, the fanboys. For those of you who go, oh, football, that's for jocks. I hate it. I don't watch it. Well, I just noticed a strange parallel to this... Sundays, this last Sunday's Super Bowl. Go ahead. And one of the greatest geek stories of all time.
1: Many Bothans died to bring this information.
0: That is correct. Did anyone else notice the parallels between this last Super Bowl and Star Wars? No? Well, let me explain. We had a... That was palpable silence. We had the Patriots who were going for... A perfect season. Many refer to them as the Evil Empire. Who referred to them as the Evil Empire? A lot of the sports writers. <laughs> Cite and the, your references, sir. I don't have names. Anyways, even fans refer to him as the Evil Lon Empire. Lopez I think we're supposed to suspend our Actually, disbelief. no. Okay. Actually, I don't know. Mike something on CNN called him the Evil Empire. Okay. So mm, I don't know his name. He's on product. CNN headline news. Mike—that's uh, a
2: mighty fine reference, a- right
0: there. or something. Anyways, so yes, Mike Boomshakalaka No, so you have <laughs> the pa- the Patriots coming in. as you know everybody? Oh, you know they're good and they're and awesome. And yet their name and the, the Patriots and they can't be beat. They're going for the perfect season, and if they get this win over the Super Bowl, they many would would have hailed them as the greatest team of all time. I see that as an evil empire.
2: But anyway, just before
1: the game, they dissolved the Senate,
0: and they took. A, yeah, and they were known as cheaters. They were fined this is for true. cheating. This is true. So they weren't all squeaky clean, right? No. Anyways, no. so they're going That's up sad against devotion of that
1: ancient religion.
0: So they go up against a ragtag band of rebels known as the New York Giants. That's actually more
1: like Battlestar Galactica, led by, but- <laughs> led by,
0: led by a. Squeaky clean farm boy by the name of Eli Eli Manning. Manning.
1: Was he a farm
2: boy? He looked like it. Well, he does. They're from New
0: Orleans. Anyways, the goofy farm boy leads his ragtag band of rebels and he defeats the evil empire. With and a, the, you
2: know, a couple of well placed shots, with at the a end. couple
0: of perfect, well placed shots much that only bigger than a womp rat that only the force <laughs> could make happen.
2: I'd say a couple of those
1: at the end, where that guy it, w- caught it with his finger. I caught off his helmet. He caught one, one hand bent bent on over. his helmet. I, I was exaggerating. He's like, oh. he's for those at home own. who were not watching the show, it's like being caught by the wampa. He actually used the force and pulled the football right out of the ice. Right.
0: See, more parallels. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: And like Michael Strahan, kinda like Chewbacca. You know Um, what I mean? So uh, Bill
1: Belichick smelled worse on the inside. Right. But (laughs) Belichick
0: was the Emperor. Brady Oh oh my lord Brady was Darth Vader. Were
1: they just not classless? Walking off the field really
0: poor sports. They always are like that. And
1: apparently, he threw a, Brady. I didn't see the very beginning because wife was late from church. So you know, we fast forwarded to the beginning. But like Bra- Brady had some kind of tantrum after the coin toss.
0: Oh, I, I, didn't m- see I that. missed that. I didn't. Uh, see that.
1: You know, just like apparently, just was kicking dirt and I don't know, strangling but mo- grandmoths in the corner. I'm just saying
0: like though, you know. like Brady used to be a good guy. I find
2: your lack of heads disturbing. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. No, Brady. Used, I thought was supposed to be like this really cool. But you know what? This is one of those things. I think anybody, anybody, sorry, and this is a personal judgment, I'd call it uh, an insult, but he abandoned his pregnant girlfriend, uh, Bridget Moynihan. Mm -hmm. So he could date a hot supermodel. Right. Left her like a month before she gave birth. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know. Evil. Darth Vader evil. There is something really just self-centered to a way that I can't respect to abandon the mother of your child when she's carrying,
0: still carrying so that child. So kind of like Anakin did with Padme at the episode three, when she said, you're breaking my heart. Kind of like that, right?
1: Well, she could have left him for Jimmy Smith. I mean, I'm that's just saying for, but the parallels. The parallels. They're very strong. The parallels. They're very strong.
0: That's all I'm saying. The
1: force is strong with you. I'm and, just saying. And if that- you think the force is strong with you, listener, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And the
0: first Star Wars Super Bowl. Like you let, are You are Let it go my mind. mind.
2: Let go of your
0: <sighs>
2: yes.
1: yes. Turn off your targeting computer. Give in to your anger. Anyway, uh, give in to your urge to email. And <laughs> right in. Uh, this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. State, this, is, this
0: is Lon Lopez, and don't forget next week, February 13th, the premiere of More on Life, season three on www.moronlife.com. I'm and, in that! I'm in that! And if you're in the San Jose or Campbell area, Comcast Channel 15. Check it out!
2: I just got Comcast. Sweet. And this is Rick Brett Snyder, signing off.
0: We remind you use
1: your powers only, only for good. For good.
0: Tell a friend.
2: And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Hey, I didn't use anything in the outtakes I hadn't heard on uh, primetime television. Good. Good rule. Good rule. <clears throat> hey, Dave. Yeah? Louder, we can't quite hear you on the mic. What? There you go. Why? Just for a second. Just let us get a clean start. You lured her in. Now he's coming. sorry, what did I do? Just for a sec. We're getting a start. We can hear you all the way from over here. Which is not bad once we get going.
0: we got Steve. Okay, give it a second. I'll wait for the hole. Here we go. Go. Listen up,
1: fanboys. It's and let's not forget the most,
0: the most obvious, Silver Surfer. I oh, mean, okay. you know, come on. I was
1: going to think Punchy from the Hawaiian Punch Axe. Okay, yeah. Because um, yeah. he clearly had the power of the punch fist. He got killed in the original Crisis, didn't he? Punchy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good. Absolutely. That was sad. That was no, sad. wasn't. However, Lefty Lemon Lime, still fighting on Earth-9. Okay. Good to know. Uh, and... <laughs> <All right. laughs> what for... Per- Ferrell? oh, f- oh, feral, the character. I was like, Farrell, like the ice cream parlor. What yeah, Farrells? Mm, Farrells. I miss Farrells. Hey, if anybody knows where a Feral's is, let us know, because I'd like to take a road trip. <laughs> I could. I'm, I'm big enough and old enough now. I could take on a zoo, um, or at least a clown Sunday. <laughs> and you'll die right after. <laughs> so
2: wow. Good. No, the trough. That was it. I made a pig of myself with Farrells. Yeah. You have the trough. I'm yeah. ready
1: for a trough. My grandfather got that medal. Anyway. Um,